Welcome to the Movers Mindset Podcast. These are the public episodes, but do you want to hear more? Become an insider for access to extended guest conversations, follow-up episodes with your questions, and other deep dives. Visit moversmindset.com slash insiders. Thanks for listening. Hello, I'm Kristen Swantek. And I'm Craig Constantine. And this is Movers Mindset. This week, you might notice the episode is a little different. I'm sitting down to interview Craig. You know him as the host of the podcast, but Craig is also the mastermind behind the scenes. We're talking everything Movers Mindset, how it started, where it's going, and what the vision is. In a reversal of roles, welcome, Craig. Thanks, Kristen. So, Craig, uh, how, how did this podcast come about? Why Movers Mindset? Okay, can I interrupt you first and say, who are you? <laughs> so, <laughs> who am I? Who am I? <laughs> I don't know. Who are you? So, that's not, I'm, not, I'm not doing song references. I'm not doing who, who are you? So, Kristen Swantek is probably the single most important person on the team, including myself on the team. Kristen's job behind the scenes is to make sure that everything gets done and that the raw audio files get sent out for editing, that they come back, that we review them to make sure that we haven't left the wrong parts in. She manages our production schedule, our publishing schedule. At the moment, she actually does most of the publishing. So this whole thing works only because Kristen is kind enough to put time into the project. So thank you very much, Kristen, for putting all of the time and sweat and tears into it. You're welcome. So that explains who Kristen is. Why is Kristen here? Um, do you want to do that? Anyone want me to do that? Um, so this episode is inspired by an episode from Mike Rose podcast called The Way I Talked About The Way I Heard It where he sits down with his producer and they talk about the podcast and how it happens and all the behind the scenes stuff that they have to deal with. So that's why we're here today. <clears throat> so that's like the last step of your question, which is what's the story? Where does the podcast come from leading up to us sitting down today? Uh, okay. So the way it all started was I have AD, probably HD attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And I had this idea when I was listening to somebody else's podcast, I'm not naming names and I tend to start at the beginning. So I started at the beginning of a multi hundred list of podcasts and they were so bad. I was laying on the floor just in like agony, listening to these horrible things and I thought, why doesn't somebody convert these to text so that you could just skim them or like search them? And then I thought, well, if you're going to do that, then you could also translate it into multiple languages. And then you could put up a form and collect. And we wound up with the project, which originally was called Parkour, They Said. And the idea was to collect writing from people around the world, convert it into multiple languages, and just share thoughts that way. That turned into, I discovered, it's actually really hard to write. And not only that, people know that it's really hard to write and nobody wanted to write. Some people wrote things and some people wrote really good things and that made me really happy. And then I thought, all right, let's make this a little easier. And somebody, Nick Anastasia, said, why don't you just do Skype calls, dude, and record the Skype calls, transcribe the Skype calls, send the trans... So that's what we did. I did a bunch of Skype calls with people and I sent them out for transcription, for professional transcription. And then I sent the transcripts to the person that I talked to and they would edit them down a little bit and that was producing content on the site. And then somebody else said... Dude, you're like a half an inch from just having a podcast. And we thought, how hard could that be? <laughs> Famous last words. It turns out it's actually really hard. So the podcast really came about me kicking and screaming the whole way, literally saying to myself and to my wife, Tracy, behind every good man, there's a woman rolling her eyes. I said, I really don't, don't do this. Don't, don't start a podcast. It's going to eat your life. And yes. So we started the podcast because it actually is the least hard way to share conversations with people is to just sit down and record a conversation. So that's kind of like the short form of the really long story. Um, 
that story started, it's three years ago was when we started with the, uh, the writing idea and that brought us to here. So then what inspires you to keep going? Now we're at roughly episode 22, 23, <laughs> somewhere in there. It's been three years. Yeah, it's been three years. And I love the part where people ask us and we really don't know what number we're on because it depends what you mean. There are many more episodes that have been recorded and then are released and we don't know exactly when they come out. So we're something in the 30s. And uh, why do I keep doing it? Um, for the same reason that I started doing it. I find myself, this is not hyperbole. I find myself in the most interesting conversations. I actually literally have multiple friends who glommed on to conversations that I was having. And then after the conversation ended, I struck up a conversation with somebody else and like friends for life. So there, and everybody knows conversations are awesome. And this is just my excuse for getting to go to travel places and talk to people and have cool conversations. And I love doing it. So when you sit down with a guest, how do you decide what to talk about? As I'm, I'm finding so, the struggle right now. I'm so meta, even this acronym. Um, I was talking about having like a running gag. That's a TV reference. So we're going to give away some sort of bonus prize. No, I'm just lying through my teeth. Some sort of bonus prize. Whoever can come up with the actual sources for all the little lines I drop. So that's your first one. I'm so meta, even this acronym. Uh, what did you ask me? <laughs> you, you asked me what's the hardest part about sitting down with no, you? No, how do you how do you determine what to talk about? Oh, oh, um, okay. So this turns out to be. Um, it turns out I, I really like to talk. <laughs> and I know. It turns out that sitting down and actually talking someone into talking is really a skill. So it it became obvious that when I sat down and talked to people, I'm able to talk enough that it makes them want to talk. And then I'm able to listen enough to give them the space to answer. So I really generally don't know what we're going to talk about. I mean, today we kind of have a little bit of a list, but Kristen showed it to me and I said, no, I don't want to know. So I often ask them an obvious question. Like, so you're famous for being the person who, you know, did the first triple cork on concrete. And then, you know, that's an obvious thing to talk about. And then that kind of gets them to talk about maybe the journey that led up to that, or maybe the 15 times they tried it and it didn't work. And then, and I just sort of pay attention to what they want to talk about and see what they want to not talk about is actually also really important to not try to push them toward things that they don't want to talk about. So then how do you determine who to interview? Um, who to interview? Um, yeah, it's, it's like, um, partly it's, uh, oh, that's so complicated. All right. So one level, it's just people I want to talk to. Like, I really want to talk to so-and-so and, you know, hey, would you want to sit down? And it is really hard to get people to get their schedules to line up to get a chance to actually do an interview. So there's a limit to who you can talk to. But mostly it's people that I just want to talk to somebody. Then the next level up is there is an idea in my head about what we're doing here. I know you're going to ask me this later too. <laughs> there is an idea and I'm often thinking, okay, there's six people that I could get to next July at this event that I'm going to. And then that helps me decide all right, I, I probably should not interview that person because I can see them later or we've talked to them, you know, or somebody like them. So then I, after I have this list of who I want to talk to, I tend to aim toward people that I think would be interesting in moving the project toward where I think it's going. And then sometimes the people who are insiders actually get asked, who do you want us to interview? And I'm not going to drop any names, but people have like you know, basically asked for completely insane interviews. And I'm just like, all right, we're putting that one in the hat for later. But some of them are also people that I have been suggested that I talk to. And those I think are really fun because 
usually I know people and then I say, hey, do you want to do an interview? And some of them now are getting to be, hey, you should go talk to this person. I don't know who they are at all. And then we have other people on our team who are like, go do some research on them. And then I try to have a conversation from scratch. And that's even harder than just doing an interview. Uh, so you mentioned that initially this project was called Parkour, they said, and now it's not. Mm-hmm. So do you want to share that story of how that happened? Um, how it happened was I literally racked my brain for four months every day. I had a spreadsheet in Google Sheets, which had 350 records in it. And it was a grid of like a name that I would think of is the .com version available because pro tip kids don't ever use .world domains. Second column was like, is there something else on Google that was confusingly selling? And I just columns. And for four months, I searched until I found, came up with Mover's Mindset and went, oh my goodness, it actually works as a name for this delusion that I have. So yeah, you didn't mean you didn't how to actually change the name. You want to know why I'm changing yeah, the name? Yeah, why the okay. change the name, yeah. So the reason that we changed the name, I changed the name was, I had a conversation, again, I'm not going to name names, I had a conversation with someone um, who I consider like a really um, inspiring person, but also somebody whose opinion I really value. And he and someone else next to him said, we'd really like to do more things with you, but we can't because you have the P word on your project. And I went, "Uh, yeah, that's actually a really good point. It's not really about parkour. And And then I went off for literally a year thinking about what would it, why do I have that word on there? And the, the short, short answer is it was originally called parkour. They said dot world. And the reason I put the parkour word on there was so when you searched for parkour in Google, it came up in the list. It really wasn't about parkour. But like any journey, I didn't know what I was doing when I started. I was like, oh, let's start here and like pick a spot and go. So when I went, should I take the P word off? I started talking about the P word over and over and over. And other people who talk about the P word, I'm sorry, world. I apologize if that's a thing. Um, I wanted to just move away from it because it, pigeonholes me into a particular type of movement. So even aside from the parkour versus ADD versus free running splits, just saying parkour means that people think, oh, that's like a movement activity and it can't be martial arts. It can't be dance because parkour clearly is not martial arts or dance. There's crossover, but they're different. So when I started actually thinking about, all right, how do I take the parkour word off of the project? Then I realized that actually this project is about more than just parkour. It is really literally about movement. It is literally about the philosophies that underpin um, individualism, uh, human flourishing, personal freedoms. These things are all very important to me. And that's actually what's inside the project. So the the mover's mindset, it isn't like a, a mantra that we have printed out, but the project mover's mindset is about pursuing like for each person themselves to pursue and dig into why do you move what does it mean to move what are the philosophies both of physical movement and philosophies of thought and like philosophy with a capital p that you are using and how do you think and that's what the project is and then I, the more i thought about that i'm like well why would the parkour word be on there at all and that's what caused the change and it was kind of like ribbing a band-aid off it was like oh it changed the domain name it changed everything and they're actually the first 11 or 12 episodes start by saying you know and this is parkour they said and it, it was it's a, it sounded like a clever idea and no it was not the panda meme with the try parkour they said it'll be fun they said that's not where it comes from <laughs> i didn't steal it from the meme the, the meme was there first but that's not where i got it but it was a bad choice huh? you learn you know so going off of that, that, you know, mover's mindset is more about the philosophy and you know, your mindset behind it. Can you unpack a little bit about the project's vision where, where you see it going? Uh, I, my day-to-day mindset is denial. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
like my, my mom and dad used to get lost in the car. My, my dad would get mad and go, what state are we in? You know, as if well, this is pre GPS, but as if you could actually not know what state my mom would go denial. <laughs> that actually would happen. Um, so, um, my mindset, um, I spend uh, a lot of my time, I think everybody does this, I spend a lot of time wondering, like, what should I do? Like, should I go for a run? Or, or maybe you're thinking, should I watch a TV show? Or should I read a book? Like, you know, what do you literally do next with the next minute? And I found I was spending a lot of time on the internet. It's not a bad thing. I spent a lot of time on the internet looking for inspiration. Or maybe I had an idea and then I'm like looking for well, what would the nuts and bolts like actually be if I wanted to do that? How do I do it? And then I go look for that. So I was using the internet a lot and I wasn't actually using other people. And it had to, that this was at a time when I was still doing martial arts and I hadn't yet found parkour or art de placement and started moving the way that I move now. And I was looking for inspiration and I didn't realize it at the time, but this project is specifically about creating a source for people to find that inspiration. So the podcast episodes, the podcast is just the public side. Really, really, I think of it as the marketing side. The idea is to make the project visible by putting the public podcasts out. But the real meat and potatoes, what I think is the really cool part, is what we call the insiders program, um, where these people can get together and actually talk. See, podcasting is one way, right? Like, I'm talking to you, and not you, Kristen. I'm talking to you, dear listener. You can't talk back, right? I mean, maybe you can put comments somewhere, but you can't actually have a conversation. So Kristen and I are having a conversation And the idea was to create this space. So Movers Mindset is about creating a community of people who can get together. Now, we do it digitally over the internet for now. One of our dreams is to have it be physical too. But to have people get together and share ideas and share inspirations and and try to... um, uh, I talk a lot about the signal-to-noise ratio on the internet and in uh, social media spaces. Um, so a lot of spaces on the internet, there's no signal, it's all noise. And, and that can be good. You can use filters and, you know, Google and things to find interesting things in the noise. But I wanted a place where it was all signal and no noise. And that's what I'm trying to create with the community that's underneath or inside of the Movers Mindset program. So you mentioned social media. And uh, I, I know you, I know. Ooh, ooh, can we do the rant? Can we do the rant now? Yeah. Do you, do you want to? <laughs> no, I do not want to do the rant. I'm going to try and I'm going to, okay, I'm going to take my rational pill. Um, get off my lawn. No, <laughs> so um, my rant about social media is, and I have tempered it over, you know, a few minutes, that the difficulty with social media is that it is a stream. And in some cases, it's actually a fire hose. And I forget where the reference was. It's like trying to take a sip out of a fire hose, which is a bad idea. Don't do not do it. So, and everybody um, everybody is perfectly aware that, you know, book face and Insta junk and, you know, tweet bot and all these things that, that and I, don't, I just don't want to name drop, like go buy your own advertising. The reason those things are interesting is because you can dip in, right? Open up Instagram, the 12 people that you follow, you can get inspiration from the things that they've shot, right? Same thing with Twitter. You can use it for communication. Everybody knows how to bend social media to do what they want. But social media in and of itself is dysfunctional. And I forgot to look up the gentleman's name. We'll put it in the show notes. We have to put it somewhere. There is a gentleman who did a TED Talk. And he said something to the effect of, I'll try to do the quote as best I can. It is, our society cannot survive if in order for two people to communicate, it has to be facilitated by a third person who wants to manipulate them. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. 
the I mean, like that's how social media works. And, but we all know this, like, you know, you don't pay for Facebook. You know, I don't pay for Facebook and I'm on Facebook. Nobody pays for it. Of course, somebody pays for it. It costs millions of dollars to run the server farms to run this. Well, always we'll just have advertising. Advertising is the biggest mistake we ever made in the entire history of the internet. And it brings in a third party. So Facebook has to pay the rent. They have to pay the people who work for it. How do they do that? They sell advertising. That means that we all are the product. And, and we all know this, like this is, this is not my rant. We all know this is what's wrong with social media. But you know what does work? The old, uh, shout out to Mark Turok, the old American parkour forums. These work. We all love to look at it like, oh man, remember the day when, but like those forums functioned. You went on there. What was on there? A bunch of other people who wanted to talk about parkour and nothing else. What is on, you know, the private spaces like Stack Exchange, where you go in and you're exchanging questions and answers. There are these communities that do exist. The problem is not that the internet is broken. The problem is just people have no choice but to use, and I'm talking about people who are like in the movement space with me. You have no choice but to try and use Facebook and, oh, I said it, Twitter and Instagram, these other media to try and get your inspiration. I don't know about you guys, but I open up Facebook. If it moves on my screen, I scroll. The instant it moves, I scroll because the ads move, right? Now, actually, in my world, I have a plugin installed that nothing moves on my screen. But in general, if it moves, you scroll past it. You, the, it has gone to the point where things that move no longer catch your attention because the advertisement moves. So the whole point um, that I'm trying to make is I'm not saying rage quit social media. I did, except for Facebook. My, I can't leave Facebook. My family is on Facebook. My mom is 70. She's on Facebook, and that's as much as she can handle. My have cousins that are on Facebook. You, you can't leave Facebook. It's the party you have to stay in. But you should not be trying to use social media to find your inspiration. You use it for communication. You use it for, we had an earthquake. We need to mark a million people safe in 30 seconds. Social media can do that. We need to organize a demonstration to go around a government. Twitter can do that. These, these things are tools. They work. But you, you can't, I don't think. Um, successfully use them to be your source of inspiration. You get that inspiration from your mentor or the person that you talk to at a jam or, um, you know, your, your life partner, your wife, your girlfriend, whatever. And so that's, that's my rant on social media. Real quick, want to name and drop. Um, it was, I'm going to pronounce this oh, wrong. Awesome. Uh, we should have a global computer network. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was Jaron Lanier. Yeah, yeah. Well, now if you're going to go like, mm, it doesn't help. It's Lanier, I think. L-A-N-I-E-R. Lanier? Yeah. yeah, Jared Lanier. Um, yeah, it's a TED Talk from a few years ago. It's, <clears throat> if you want to look it up. TED Talk. Oh, I love it. I it's love called it. Uh, How We Need to Remake the Internet. Yep, yep. You want to look it up. Yep. Is there anyone that you draw inspiration from or places you go to learn to talk to people? No, that's, that's, a good question. that's a good question. Yeah, how do we miss that? It is um, hard. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm actually like, see, it's really hard. That's how they make it Originally, I thought, two people having a conversation I can do that so I'll just we'll just get microphones and we're done no it's really hard um so it turns out that there are people <laughs> imagine this who are really good at this and one of them there's a guy named Cal Fussman C-A-L-F-U-S-S-M-A-N Cal Fussman is amazing um most of the interviewing that he has done is has been him doing interviews for pieces he was writing um, but I've heard several interviews, uh, both him interviewing people and people interviewing him. And it's, he's just like a font of like great ideas about like how literally how to ask questions, like how to like use your mouth to say things, which the other people will interpret as a question, which is actually not that easy. And what kinds of questions work and how, how to ask a question to get a yes or no answer. Cause sometimes you want that. Sometimes you're not like that kind of mechanistic aspect. Um, just, so I've been like diving into that. 
I also love listening to other podcasts. I've, I've been through thousands of them. I listen to them sped up. Um, and I'm not going to name, I listen to ones that I think are horrible because it reminds me of like, don't ever do that. Don't ever do that kind of thing. And I listen to ones that are really good because I enjoy listening to how they, how the, how the things flow. Um, I particularly love Mike Rose that the way that he, not just the way he enunciates and I can't, you can't duplicate his voice. That's what he, not his voice, but the way that he puts the story together because he writes the stories that he puts together. So the idea of crafting a storyline as part of the interview that you're doing. And that led me to listening to other people talk about um, how to empathize with people who aren't present, which is like extra hard. So when I'm interviewing people, I'm thinking about and like, okay, run your head, wrap your head around this, have a conversation with someone, interact with them because you can't like wander away. At the same time, have an internal dialogue of what's the story that we're discussing here? Where are we going? How are we doing? How are we doing on time? How are we doing on recording levels? And then run the conversation of a hundred different people, every person you know, every friend that you can think of who is sitting behind you listening, who has questions or things they want clarified, but can't speak because they're not here. So I'm like listening to Kristen give me her answer. And then I'm thinking, oh, well, you know, this person would have no idea what that means. Or you just used an acronym or all these things and try to like have that conversation. So I figured exactly where it might be actually from Cal that I learned that idea of trying to actually imagine a particular person, not just what's the audience want, but what does a particular person want? And I have a couple that I go to in my head that are like archetypes that I can think of, like specific people that I know who fit those types. And I think, what would they ask? Or, or when would they call bullshit? You know, like what, you know, what's, <laughs> what's going to happen? So like, I really enjoyed listening to other people teach about how they interview. Um, there was also um, a creative live course that I listened, that I watched that had a, a guy who took apart how to create um, it's called how do you how to power your podcast with storytelling. I forget the gentleman's name. I did the course. Um, course is okay. I'd recommend it if you're into podcasting. Um, and he goes over like how to use structure and 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 talks about picking apart. I uh, take an audio clip that they published and then show you the raw audio and show you what they changed and how they changed it. And like talks about how to tell a story using the audio format. So there's there's really a lot to it. I'm I'm really enjoying like digging into all of that. Um, there's a particularly amazing story that Cal Fussman told in a Tim Ferriss episode, which I will forthhand repeat because it just like really just drove home the power of if you do it right when you're interviewing, it is extremely powerful. Um, Cal Fussman interviewed uh, Nikolai Gorbachev uh, in like 1993 or something like shortly after the fall. And he had like a half hour scheduled with him in Louisiana and he was like at a hotel and he had all his equipment and this is just Cal with a tape recorder and he's going to do a written piece for, you know, a, a big famous magazine. I think it was the New Yorker. So he gets his appointed time. He's like there and Gorbachev isn't there and he's waiting, he's waiting. And then his assistant says, oh, like he's running behind. You're only going to have 20 minutes. And I'm like, okay, I can still do it. And like the time got shorter and shorter until they literally gave him five minutes. And Cal's like, there's no way I can record enough material in five minutes to capture enough to write an article. He's like, I'm screwed. But Cal just, you know, like put on his working pants and went in with Gorbachev, I can't imagine, and sat down and said to him, what's one lesson that your father taught you that really has stuck with you and served you well throughout your whole life? And he said, Gorbachev looked at him and went, oh, you're, you're actually going to really talk about me and you're interested in me and you really want to know. So Gorbachev told a story about an ice cream cup and I'm not going to tell the story, but it's, it's really like a poignant, awesome story. Gorbachev told him this story and it took like four and a half minutes. 
And Cal was just thinking, this is great. I just had the experience of a lifetime in a five minute conversation, heard an awesome story, learned something. This is really cool. I'm not going to get to write my article, but hey, this is awesome. Assistant comes in, says, excuse me, Mr. Gorbachev, like it's time to go meet the mayor of Louisiana for the beginning of the parade. And Gorbachev says, five more minutes, five more minutes and pushes the PA out. And Cal asks his next question. And he said, Cal said he got like 30 minutes with him and like the parade or whatever got delayed 30 minutes and the whole town waited because Gorbachev wanted to talk to Cal. And my, my takeaway from that was like, okay, this isn't just two people talking. It's if two people can talk and manage to make a connection, then that's going to be really powerful. And like, I've had, I've had, I don't know, 28 conversations now with people where in the middle of the conversation, you have like this little meta, meta, meta flash where you're like, whoa, this is so awesome to get to sit down and talk to this person like this. And if I had come at it with like the very first interview that I did, I had like a literal written out list of questions and I went down the list and I read the questions to them one by one and I stuck to my ordering. I did that on my first one and it was okay, but it was just a, you know, just the facts, ma'am. Thank you. Kind of interchange. Um, and along the way, listening to other people interview, people who do it well, people who do it wrong, people who don't like turn, like sometimes you have to just turn left and go, wait, that's really interesting. We're going that way. Um, and that's like the biggest thing that I learned that I got all that. I learned that all from other people. So Craig, what's the, uh, best lesson that stuck with you from your childhood that your father gave you? (laughs) (laughs) Well played. Um, best lesson. Um, Oh, okay. All right. All right. Best lesson. Let me see. How do I tell this without, I can't give away too many details because I don't know what the statute of limitations is on some things. Um, so, um, I had a, so like, okay, it's like, let me make sure we can track this down. I had a job when I was in high school and I worked like behind the scenes at an ice cream store making ice cream. And I had been, I got paid hourly. So I was going in earlier and earlier in the summer just because there was plenty of work to do. And I would just show up earlier and earlier. And the person who ran the whole place got used to me just showing up at like two and then one and then 1230. And like, I was the guy who just, you know, do this, do that. Can we jump in? And one day I showed up on time, <laughs> which was actually like 5.30 or something, like four hours later than I had been coming in every day for weeks, yeah. right? So whatever, okay, fine. Um, the, this person isn't the person that I directly reported to for my job. That was somebody else. I told that person I wasn't coming. I said, I'm, I'm going to be in on time today. So I come in and this person who is like my a generation up, whatever, had a bad day, I don't know, lost his shit. And yelled at me like, and I'm like, and like, I'm like, uh, I'm what the heck, you know, right? And like, I, wow, you know, when I was probably 16 or 17 at the time, went back to my job, you know, half in tears. Or I'm like, yeah, you on time? Yeah, well, well, like you know, just like I'm a young kid, lost my crap, right? Got but got yelled at by an adult, like yelled at, yelled at <clears throat> by somebody who was known to have a bit of a temper. Okay, fine. 10, 15 minutes later, the same person came back to me. I was still like in a huff because I'm a kid, you know, came back to me and said, I don't remember the exact, but basically apologized and said like, yeah, I'm sorry. I I talked to the person that actually managed me. I talked to, you know, so-and-so and and I realized that you're actually not supposed to be here until you were, I was actually five minutes early. But basically said, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that you were actually coming in early all that time, you know, and I shouldn't have yelled at it and and said it was inappropriate. So like my, my point being that he actually, to me, a real apology is not like, please forgive me. That's not an apology. An apology is like, I'm sorry. Here's what I did wrong. Particularly this part was inappropriate. So he apologized. It's great. You know, great, great thing. I respect for the guy. I still know him. Fine. That's a story. I went home and told this story to my dad. Oh boy. Okay. Like I came home like 11 o'clock at night, right? So this is, you asked me what, okay, here's the mm-hmm. lesson. I came home, told this story to my dad and my dad knows all these people like, cause I've been telling stories from my job. So 
I'm going to use a fake first name. So I came home and I said, oh, you're not going to believe what happened to me today. I went in and I showed up on time and Bob screamed at me. Oh, son of a bitch. You know, and then, and then he came back later and had the nerve to apologize. I'm like, oh, I didn't say anything, but you know, blah, blah. And my dad looked at me and said, it takes a real man to apologize when he's made a mistake. And I was like, crushed like a bug. <laughs> like just, oh, because that makes me the expletive for not taking the apology honestly. So I was like, that's, that's the greatest, like, yeah, know when to apologize and like real men know when to apologize. That was like the greatest lesson. <laughs> and of course the final question. And of course the final question, three words to describe your practice. Um, all right. So I'm, I'm like, Oh gee, you think she'll ask me that question. Uh, I didn't come up with an answer in advance. Um, I am in love with Ellet Hall's answer. Break all the rules, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to be that cheesy. Um, so I'm going to say that I particularly like, um, there's a, I have a bunch of wristbands, right? I have a wristband that says, um, force dignity et partage, which is strength, honor, and partage is a little tricky, but it's basically community, a little bit more to it than community, but just three French words. So, um, Strength, dignity, and community. And those are three things that I really like because a lot of times the problem for me is I'm, I'm pretty good at like personal strength, personal dignity, but like community, oh, I forgot about the other people on the planet. Like, so I, I have trouble remembering that I need to, it's not like you have to tolerate the people, like you, you like there's 8 billion other people that you should be interacting and learning from. So the, the ideas of strength and dignity and community are like really important to me because it reminds me like, Craig, this is the thing that you suck at. You like really suck at the interpersonal skills. I'm really good at being, um, you know, the class clown kind of thing. Like I'm, I'm great at that, but I'm not so good at like actually interacting with the community. So that's one of the things that the podcast really forces me to do. And it's really fun is to have like a one-on-one -on -one interaction with someone and get to talk to them and get to know them. So, um, that's kind of like my, I would say, you know, strength, dignity, and community. I'm I, only because maximum effort is only two words. <laughs> another movie check. I broke that wristband. By the way. I went to, it snapped. I have to make another one. $3. <laughs> this was episode 25. For more information on this episode, go to moversmindset.com slash 25. While you're there, please consider supporting this project by becoming an insider. Thank you for listening.